0: Everyone has a story and everyone has a purpose. On this show, we'll dive into how you can obtain financial freedom through real estate investing and how we can use this to live a life full of intention and purpose. Hey everyone, welcome to the Live Like You Mean It podcast. Today, we have an awesome guest, Cindy Byler. I believe our first female guest too, which I'm super excited about. Um, So Cindy is currently residing just north of me in uh, Colleen, Texas. uh, And she invests in upstate New York. So she's been doing lots of single family homes and stuff. She's been absolutely killing it. And yeah, she was a music teacher. Now she's becoming a full-time real estate investor. Like I said, absolutely just killing it. So thank you so much for coming on, Cindy.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I didn't know I was the first female. I'm glad I like put the red lipstick on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm Um, so excited to have you. Um, But tell me a little bit about where you started in your career um, and how you even got into this. Like what was your pre real estate Cindy life like?
1: Yeah, sure. So my pre real estate Cindy life was I was a military spouse um, and I went on to become a music teacher. Like that was always my plan since I was in eighth grade. Uh, that's exactly what I went to college for. Um, and so I started teaching full time when I think I think I was 22, and I was teaching um, kindergarten through 12th grade music, um, middle school and high school choir. Even though I'm totally a band person, you know, you just do what you can do when you get out of college, you know? Um, so I had a good time doing that. Um, however, I got pregnant my first year, <laughs> and we had our first child shortly after that. Um, so So something else that happened shortly after that is my husband got into PA school. My husband is also in the army. Um, And so when he got orders to go to PA school in Texas, I had a decision to make. I had this awesome job in Kansas um, that I wanted to hold down. I've always been a very independent person. I'm starting my career, Um, but I had to make a tough decision to, um, unfortunately, give up my career or at least put it on the back burner Um, so I could go with my husband to uh, Texas to pursue his physician assistant degree Um, and also I just I stayed home with our child Uh, so that was that was a tough moment for me Um, it wasn't anything that we were really expecting we were expecting to stay in Kansas a little longer Um, but that's when being a military spouse got real I was like oh um I have to take a back seat here. Uh, My career has to take a back seat because I have to put my family first and this lifestyle has some unique challenges that not a lot of people experience. Um, So that was a wake up call for me, Uh, but I could have stayed in Kansas and kept myself and my daughter there, but that would have been six months away from my husband and, and keeping her from him that you know, later on, we're not gonna have a choice when he's deployed. So we went on to Texas, he got his degree. I was a stay at home mom for three years. Um, I, I was nervous, because we went from two incomes to one. And that's a big deal, especially when, you know, you're fresh out of college, basically. Um, and you have student loans, <laughs> you have a car payment, I definitely did. And we had some um, commercial debt as well, because we paid for our own wedding. So all in all we had $60,000 in debt and now all of a sudden we're one, we're down to one income. So kind of in a panic mode, like Cindy needs to take charge sort of situation, I got really passionate about personal finance and I started researching and um, I came across Dave Ramsey, which is a big financial guru name. And I realized that we needed to pay off our debt to feel more secure and not have as many bills going out and kind of living paycheck to paycheck. So for three years on one income, um, we paid off $60,000 in debt, so no debt whatsoever. Um, And that was such an empowering feeling. It's like, okay, maybe I'm not working in the traditional sense, but in this way I can contribute to our family. Um, So that felt really good. After he graduated uh, PA school we ended up coming to Texas. And again, we were not expecting that, but here we are in Colleen, Texas. And um, I accidentally landed a job as a teacher. Like I wasn't really planning to go back to teaching. I actually got a master's in health administration as a plan B because you have to be flexible and nimble with this lifestyle and being a music teacher doesn't exactly have the best uh, job security. So um, when I landed a job as a teacher, I was like, "Honey, we don't need we don't need this income. Um, so we're going to save all of my income, and we're going to invest in real estate." And he was one hundred percent on board. And maybe I should back up a little bit because we went from Dave Ramsey's you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: paying off all this debt, and then after that, I w- I didn't exactly like his. Investing advice, and so I did. <laughs> I mean, most investors don't. It, it just got really vague. Um, so yeah. I kind of graduated from the Dave Ramsey approach. I'll never talk badly about him. I I think a lot of people could use his advice. That um, people that need to get their financial house in order. Um, but I kind of graduated from that. I found the Financial Independence, Retire Early group, and I realized that most people who had some sort of wealth were involved in real estate in some way. And I had this epiphany that through passive income via real estate, I could have this job security, quote unquote, job security, no matter where the army sends us. And so I had that in the back of my head. And when I landed this job, I'm like, all right, this is what we're doing. We don't need my income. So we're going to put it to work. And that's where real estate investing started.
0: Yeah. That story of being able to pay off 60000 in debt on one income, it really shows you, because you, know, you hear Shaquille O'Neal talk about like, oh, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much money you keep. It really takes on, like you said, you go straight from anti-debt to now I use debt <laughs> as leverage to, to create wealth. Right. Uh, and, you, and you don't have to, right? But it, At least that idea of um, being more in control of your money or in control of your debt. Oh.
1: Absolutely. Being intentional about it. Uh, it took a lot of sacrifice during those three years. My husband, he didn't make a ton of money. He probably grossed about about 60K a year at the time. So to pay off 60K in, in like three years, that just goes to show what kind of sacrifices went into that. I think we went out to eat once a week, if that. Um, and it was usually somewhere cheap. Um, but that was just to satisfy like my desires, but I think that helps set us up as entrepreneurs because, and even as landlords, because I, I think a lot of people have this idea that we're just loaded and, and we're living this luxurious lifestyle when a lot of times we have to practice delayed gratification. And that's an important skill as an entrepreneur. There are going to be sacrifices. You are not going to have instant success necessarily especially in buy and hold real estate, you're in it for the long run. You're not going to see all that cash flow coming in right away, you know? So I think it was a great setup for our business model.
0: So obviously I know the typical story, uh, as you get into Dave Ramsey, you kind of start to, um, and you get into the idea of like personal finance, you start to see all these books. I'm sure Rich Dad Poor Dad showed up at some point, just all these ideas of like, building income streams, uh, how did you get started with real estate? Like what, um, what showed you the power of real estate? And then when you saw it, what did you start pursuing?
1: Right. So my first light bulb moment was in the financial independence retire early group when I realized most people who accumulate wealth are involved in real estate somehow. And we actually technically got started in real estate about six years ago when we bought our first primary home. Um, and we were living in Kansas. But then when we got orders so quickly, we could not afford to sell our house. Um, So that kind of forced us into being landlords. (laughs) We didn't really plan to be, but that's the way it worked out. And it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise because um, I decided right off the bat, like I did not want to deal with any evictions, like having to deal with litigation, at all was not my thing so we went straight to a property manager we paid them 10% of rents every month and we really weren't cash flowing hardly anything on that property because we bought it with a residential mindset I think we may have made like a hundred dollars a month but we were like one maintenance call away you know at the end of the day though we had great property managers and it proved to us that investing from a distance or being a long distance investor is completely possible. And we kind of had to realize that um, by force, (laughs) but it kind of opened up the doors to our, our thinking and our opportunities in um, real estate investing and being long distance investors with having to move every two years in the military.
0: Awesome. So you started kind of as an accidental landlord. And then that Mm -hmm. kind of showed you the power of the fact that, oh my gosh, you know, this person just paid me for my own house. And then uh, when, so I assume you kind of went on and started looking into more rentals. Um, Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about, like you said, the out of state investing. I know that's a big thing because you came from New York um, and Mm -hmm. you know the market really well. You know, people there, you know, managers. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, how did you start to grow your portfolio? 100%.
1: So, um, after I got my job and we started saving, I started looking for deals and I actually went on to Zillow and got in contact with a realtor. (laughs) Um, and we were looking at different properties. I was looking specifically at my hometown um, because that's where like all our connections are. Um, my husband, a lot of my husband's family members are really good contractors and we were planning to really lean in on them for the renovations. Um, So value-add was always part of our strategy. Um, One property that we were like days away from closing on, uh, we found out after due diligence, like as a non-experienced real estate investor, I kind of figured out that I had to do due diligence and some red flags came up in. And so then I went on um, whitepages.com, which you can find some really creepy information from there. Um, and I looked up the neighbors of, of this property and then I went on the Facebook and I contacted them. I'm like, Hey, so we're thinking about buying this house and here's some red flags that came up. Do you mind helping me? And they were like, so happy to help. I mean, they were like, at the end, they were like, how'd you find me? How'd you know? (laughs) So I had to explain that (laughs) I'm quite the skip tracer. Um, but it turned out that the little mold problem that was from stagnation was actually because the house was flooded and it was going to cost like $40,000 just to fix, which was more than the house was worth. And so I was like, oh, that's not good. So then I finally called on, um, our, a family member. The reason we were investing in this area in the first place, I was like, Hey, do you mind going over to this house? and checking it out and then all of a sudden i get a call and they're like run those floors are wavy it's it's not good i was like oh okay so having that said i highly suggest having somebody you trust to go in and and help you um look at the property so fortunately that one fell through a few months later while we were in town for christmas we got um a call from the same realtor he said look um i have an off-market deal and my aunt inherited it uh it's an unwanted inheritance and um it's a duplex and a triplex for 50k cash i was like oh okay <laughs> i know that's a good deal um but it's gonna take me a minute to come up with that kind of money um so we had half of that in savings from like my job and just our other emergency fund and Um, but the other half we had to come up with, so I called the bank, I was looking for a personal loan. Unfortunately, it was too much for a personal loan. Um, and it was too little for a mortgage. So then I learned that like how traditional lending goes. I'm like, okay, this is not going to be as easy as I thought. So eventually we ended up going with private money. Um, and that has worked out wonderfully. We were able to get the deal before it went on to somebody else. And we've spent the last over a year now renovating the properties and renting them out unit by unit um so we're actually finishing up the last unit now
0: how did because uh, obviously you're getting into the space there's like a lot of stuff uh, that you just have to like kind of learn experientially uh, mm-hmm. were you analyzing these deals at first like um you know i know bigger pockets has a, a calculator and stuff <laughs> like how did you overcome the fear of not knowing what you were doing
1: honestly, the market, and I did a whole podcast on this alone, just talking about the real estate market that we invest in, the returns are great. So as a buy and hold investor, um, there's this quick back of the napkin formula that you can use. It's called the 1% rule. And basically what that means is you purchase a property and whatever the purchase price is, um, we also call the acquisition price, whatever that is, take 1% of that. And you should collect at least that much in rent each month. So let's say you buy a house for $100,000. You should at least be able to get $1,000 um, back. And that's just so you're making something at the end of the day, you know, after expenses. So in our real estate market, 1% is a bad deal. In our real estate market, we can get 2 to 3%. So that, that duplex I told you about earlier, um, just simple math. Cause we bought the duplex and triplex for 50 K. Um, so let's say 10 a unit, even though square footage wise, that's not really it, but 10 a unit, $20,000 for a duplex. Um, and then rehab was $33,000. So we're in at $53,000 all in, and then we were collecting 1500 a month in rents. That is almost 3%. So when I was analyzing it, um, I was looking at the 1% rule and I was like, hey, this could work. You know, Not that we're gonna be making boatloads of money, but we're going to be able to make mistakes and be all right. And so that gave me buffer, that gave me confidence in moving forward. We were pretty nervous after the first deal and how that worked out, but it's it's all worked out. And trust me, there have been plenty of mistakes. There have been inefficiencies that I won't be doing again. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I've been able to learn. I've been able to get out there and do it. I think there's so many investors or wannabe investors rather who are out there eating up all the podcasts, all the books and, and YouTube channels. Like that's great, but at some point you gotta do the thing. You can't just learn how to swim and then not jump in the pool. So um in that sense I've I've been able to essentially invest in myself through mm-hmm. experience
0: yeah that's awesome i totally think you know you can only so much knowledge how useful can it really be without any application what are you doing now so like clearly it's not broken it's working pretty well so you're going to try to fix it or are you going to try to scale or what does the future look like for your real estate investing
1: for sure so right now we are finishing up the triplex um unit number six so i we did acquire a single family home Shortly after the duplex and the triplex, um, I think in the course of three or four months, we had six units, three properties and six units. Uh, So we're finishing that renovation. They've all been deeply renovated. Uh, We'll be filling that. And hopefully next week, I've learned to be cautiously optimistic in this business, but (laughs) hopefully next week we are closing on our first cash out refinance. Super exciting. So because of our market and how you can purchase so low, we don't have a single mortgage to speak of. Um, and so there's a lot of equity that's not being utilized right now. And we're trying to tap into that so we can carry it forward. So we have a fiveplex waiting for us that we purchased via um, tax auction, like $20,000 um, is what we purchased that for. Um, and then we're going to roll the cash out refi into that project and go hard, like with the duplex and the triplex, because we were just starting out and we were cash flowing renovations, it went pretty slow, um, but I'm excited to, to get a quicker turnaround and see what that looks like um and then we'll be cash out refine that basically the burn method that's what it is yeah. so we've been doing the burn method we just haven't followed up on that last r the refinance part mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is a great time to do it um in addition to that uh, we i am learning and i am networking that's kind of how we we connected um through linkedin i just want to explore the multifamily commercial multifamily space and potentially scale up from that. So I have a short term goal of, you know, that nice round number that every investor goes for $10,000 a month. And we're about halfway there in just 18 months. Um, so once I hit that number, which I'm going to do before my 30th birthday, um, I would like to put that money to use, um, in a bigger scale, like through multifamily. Mm Mm-hmm bigger multi So yeah,
0: awesome. Yeah. That is such an amazing start and follow through and plan. That is just really cool. The way you were able to like leverage the market you came from and like, like you're talking about the two, 3% rule. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. In Austin where I, am, I know. If, if we can get a 0.4%, a that's probably a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. you're able to use that to your advantage. Like you said, no mortgages. And now yeah. you're flipping the script uh, mm-hmm. on, on the whole no debt thing running back, and you're going to use that leverage, that equity, to start building your portfolio farther. And I think um, a lot of people talk about transitioning from single family to multifamily. And I think it looks a little bit different for everyone. I think your path is so clearly set. I'm so confident you'll be able to knock down whatever you want. Um,
1: Because
0: for some people, like me, (laughs) you start in multifamily um, in a different way. So you may start... As a smaller stake general partner, you may have different roles or something. Um, essentially, you're setting yourself up as a powerhouse to, to walk into multifamily and to be able to do it all, quote unquote, yourself. So, really, really inspiring story.
1: Uh, Thank you. I appreciate then, it. Yeah. It gives me a good foundation and understanding what it is that we're doing. Um, I, to be honest, I guess I didn't even have a concept of multifamily. Like syndications, I hardly knew that word at the beginning of this year. <laughs> so, um, like I said, I'm thinking five steps ahead. Where do we want to go? You know, I don't think I'm going to actually get in on a syndication deal for probably at least another year or so, and that's okay. But I'm talking to people like you and other people in the in the space so that I can have those connections and be ready to jump in when comes time.
0: And that's another thing I should clarify. Um, for anyone listening, obviously, I'm a multifamily evangelist. I could sit here and talk for days about why I love it so much. Um, but at the same time, you have to understand that uh, the reason real estate is valuable, the reason wealthy people own real estate is for a couple of reasons. For one, people have to live there. There's always demand. And because people have to live there, the government incentivizes uh, a lot of parts of it um, with tax benefits and stuff. And those two things... Um, are essentially what and and also the the idea that you're getting passive income so just because you own something it pays you those things manifest in a lot of different ways and this isn't extremely pertinent but you know there are people who flip houses which that you know maybe that's not something i agree with there's people who flip houses who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a month millions a year Um, there's people who do all sorts of interesting stuff wholesalers who make a lot of money Um, there's a lot of ways to make money in this industry and that's one thing. There, there's kind of a formula a lot of people follow in this multifamily syndication space. I love when I hear a story that breaks that formula and flips it on its head. And like you said, I think prepared is an understatement um, for you getting into multifamily. If you even decide to. Because like I said, you have a formula that's killing it so hard. There's no rush to to scale. Obviously, you know, there, there's economies to scale and you can make more money as you scale farther. But... Yeah, like we were just talking about, you have it figured out and you're killing it. And you are, you have the system figured out to a T. So super cool.
1: Well, thank you. I think, um, what has led me more towards the multifamily, um, sector is I enjoy this craziness. Like I call it passive income, but let's be real, that name is a little, um, construed. Mm-hmm. It, you really do kind of have to be active. <laughs> Eventually there comes a point where it's more passive because you know you pass it on. I do have property managers. I have a project manager. Um, I have other people on my team helping make this happen. But at the same time, there's, I'm making phone calls all the time. Um, I'm actively engaging in the deals that are happening. It, it requires quite a bit of work actually. Um, so my husband looked at me and he goes, When can we get a turnkey property? (laughs) When can we get one just ready to go? And of course it's risk and reward, you know, our returns are great. Um, but I think he kind of wants something a little more like truly passive. (laughs) And so as an as a limited partner in a syndication deal, you get that. So that's kind of what's led us there. I know that we can keep chugging along. And like I said, I plan to, at least till we hit our number um but there comes a point where you know you just want to sit back and enjoy the show
0: yeah definitely i mean being an active syndicator or investor in general uh, it's not a job it's two jobs you know it's like five jobs in one um really the, the only true passive income comes from uh literally writing a check and essentially saying okay i'm just a voter now i'm just i'm just along for the ride uh, so totally agree with what you're saying, but again, it is addictive like the yeah. the uh, real estate investing on the active side, when you can control your returns, you can control the deals uh, it really is just pretty magical. So anyway, moving on, tell us a little bit about uh, your why like what keeps you going uh, what 's kind of your north star? like when you hit that ten thousand a month, uh, what is going to keep you going?
1: Well, my why is pretty stereotypical. It's my family. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my husband, our two young children, uh, three in, ages three and five. Um, really, real estate is a solution for our lifestyle. I was really bitter when I had to give up uh, my job. I always imagined working the traditional nine to five because that's all we're taught, right? We, we ha- we're growing up in this box and it's, it's hard to break that barrier and be able to see beyond that. But when I finally had that epiphany, I was like, oh, you know, this is possible. I don't have to be a victim to this lifestyle. I can make it work and I can make it work through real estate and I can grow a legacy that can be passed on to my children. And I'm able to take my children on the job and they can watch mommy and daddy work really hard. And in fact, they help too. My three-year-old is an expert screw distributor. (laughs) So we're being these role models for them. I'm able to stay home with my son this, this year and I just have options, you know, and I can show them what hard work gets them. I don't have to just tell them, I can show them um, that they know the difference between wants and needs. You know, all their needs are met, but if, if we want something, we're going to earn it. And that's my why. I, I wanna create a multi-generational legacy, not just financially, but through example and through our values. And I want our great grandchildren to s- still be speaking our names and living out the life that we imagine. Um, my husband and I, we know a level of survival that we never want them to experience. Um, we don't necessarily want everything to come easy for them, but we want to provide opportunities for them less of a cost i suppose
0: that's you know just because it's stereotypical if, if anything that makes it a better why you know because i'm the exact same way that that idea of generational wealth is really really cool and also mm-hmm. i like how you touched on the fact that it's not just giving your kids everything they ever want it's showing them the difference between a need and a want and and covering mm-hmm. those needs and showing them how to get the ones uh, Absolutely. so yeah awesome and you know if you're if your kid's helping out with distributing screws then you can uh, write off groceries as an expense, right? You know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Eventually. Um, I mean, you don't, you don't want to do it too young. I'm not writing them off yet. (laughs) (laughs) They're not too expensive yet, but that is a strategy I do plan to implement, but it's just, it's wonderful getting them involved. And you know, they ask questions. They're like, mommy, that's your house. Like, why don't we live there? (laughs) And so I, I kind of touch on it a little bit. They're they're getting um, little bits and pieces of it, but it's so much fun to bring them along for the ride.
0: Well, I think that's about it. Um, where can we connect with you?
1: So I do life through Facebook. I'm the typical millennial. Um, you can look me up, Cindy Byler, on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, the The link is I think LinkedIn dot whatever it is slash Cindy Byler. Just look me up. I'm there. Um, and then my email is Cindy R E I at gmail.com.
0: Awesome. I'll have links to that in the show notes below. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you everyone for listening and I'll see you next week.